leaders. Amen. Instead of complaining about them, why don't you pray for them? Talking about everything they're not doing, let's start praying that. I mean, you look at Paul. I mean, you talk about a 180. This man was uh, harshly fighting against the kingdom of God, against the church itself, against God himself. And God pulls him aside, says, hey, what are you doing? And changes his life. And in turn, he ends up writing two thirds of the New Testament, changing the Christian world that we see today, changing the church that we see today. Um, it is not beyond God to change impossible. In fact, that's what he's good at doing. <laughs> God is great at the impossible. God is God does awesome uh, when you're up against the wall and there's no way around it, no way against it, nothing you can do. Uh, he loves working with those kind of situations. So we need to continue to lift up our leaders. We see a lot of change in our nation. Um, and I'm convinced that as the leader goes, so goes the nation. Uh, but we need to pray for those that are in leadership. Amen. Um, and it starts with us in the church. Uh, I hope that you guys understand our heart, understand the, the mentality of this church and what we're doing week in and week out. Uh, my goal, I'm not doing my job if you don't walk out of here thinking different. That's just the bottom line. If you walk back out of this place with the same traditions and same mindsets and same mentalities, then we're not doing our job. As pastors, you need your, your our minds have to constantly be renewed, renewed to what the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. And the kingdom uh, is contrary to what we see in the world. The world is contrary to the kingdom. They're told they're, they're polar opposites. And so uh, we have to have our minds renewed in this place, in this building, so we can be the church, so we can go out and make a difference uh, in the world. And so. Uh, you know, what we preach a lot, and, and if you've been here for any period of time, you've probably already gotten this, um, is that we're, we're to be light in darkness. That's what God has called us to do. Um, and so uh, we don't look at situations the way the world does. We don't look at people in leadership the way the world does. We have a different mentality. And, and bottom line is, is it doesn't matter who is the president. It doesn't matter who is the leader. If the church isn't doing its job, the world will fail. And it's on us. We can't we don't we don't get to go to heaven with the excuse of, well, so and so was president. So there was nothing I could do. That's that's not going to happen. Paul didn't do that. And Paul went straight to the leader, went straight to the top, man, talking to kings Talking to rulers. I mean, you look at how much influence Paul had on the government. Not just the church. I mean, he was always talking to officials. He was always getting in trouble. All the apostles had constant conflict with government. But that's just because they were doing their job. And that's actually kind of what I want to talk to you about tonight. Go ahead and turn with me, if you will, to Joshua. Joshua chapter 15. I want to thank all of you for your prayers and support for our family over this past week. Um, we got to go down and be in Florida and celebrate the homecoming of Ashley's grandmother, 90 years old, lived a long life, left a legacy um, within our family and every life she touched. And uh, so we got to be down there and encourage the family with that and 
It was a good time, but we are glad to be back with our church family. Amen. But I can let you know, I can, uh, with assurance that your prayers and your comfort was felt uh, even while we were away, and we appreciate that so much. Amen. Joshua, I'm sorry, Joshua chapter 11. I think I told you 15. Joshua chapter 11, and we're going to start with verse 15. Joshua 11, verse 15. I want to talk about the takeover. The takeover. And in verse 15, it says this. As the Lord had commanded Moses, his servant, so Moses commanded Joshua. And so Joshua did. Let me read that again. Let's let those words sink in. As the Lord had commanded Moses, his servant, so Moses commanded Joshua. And so Joshua did. He left nothing undone of all that the Lord had commanded Moses. Joshua picked up the mantle of another man. Joshua picked up. He he didn't have to get a direct command from the Lord. Obviously, we know in Joshua chapter one, God comes to Joshua and says, hey, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. You know, keep, uh, you know, obey my commands, adhere to my commands this is what true success is. You know, we, we read those verses. You know, I mean, Joshua 1 starts out and he says, Moses, my servant, is dead. The end. And he moves on to Joshua. But we notice here that there was a job that started with Moses and is now being handed down to Joshua. And Joshua did what was commanded. Joshua did, he says, and he left nothing undone of all that the Lord had commanded Moses. Verse 16, thus Joshua took all this land. So what was it that Joshua did? He took land. He took land. Thus Joshua took all this land, the mountain country, all the south, all the land of Goshen, the lowland, the lowland. Uh, And the Jordan plain, the mountains of Israel and its lowlands from Mount Halak and the ascent to Seir, even as far as Baal Gad in the valley of Lebanon below Mount Hermon. He captured all their kings and struck them down and killed them. Joshua made war a long time with all those kings a long time. Uh, It's recorded that this could have taken place. This this conquest could have taken anywhere from five to seven years. Five to seven years. Now, look at verse 19. So let, 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 let me just give you a recap of where we're at. God tells Abraham. Way back in Genesis chapter 12, I'm going to I'm going to make you a father of many nations and I'm giving you a land called Canaan. Go to that land. He tells him to get up and go. And Abraham doesn't know where he's going, but he figures out, oh, I'm going to Canaan. So he goes to Canaan. And through history and over time, God's people are inhabiting Canaan, living in Canaan land. And they have families and those families have families. And we get on down and then a man named Joseph is born. And Joseph ends up getting sold into slavery by his brothers. He ends up in a 
a country called Egypt. And God's people, through this process, ends up becoming slaves of Egypt. They end up getting pulled out of Canaan. Now, God said, this is the land I'm giving you. This is your land. But they lose the land and they end up in slavery. They end up bound to another nation, Egypt. For over 400 years, the Israelites are enslaved by the Egyptians. And God raises up a man named Moses. He gets raised in the Egyptian background. He's raised as an Egyptian, kills a guy, runs away, lives out, uh, you know, taking care of sheep for 40 years. And then God says, I'm going to send you back to Egypt, pull my people out of Egypt, and I'm going to bring you back into Canaan once again. Well, we know that Moses goes. We've got the ten plagues that show up. Finally, Pharaoh says, get out of here. Take the people. They cross the Red Sea. God drowns the Egyptians in the sea. And they're on their way to a journey to the promised land. Just go ahead and let you know you've all got a promised land. Everybody here has a promised land. You have something that God has called you to obtain whatever that promised land is. That's the vision. That's the goal. That's the plan that God's given you. God has shown you a promised land. And so God has called his people out. Well, Moses didn't get to finish the job. Uh, In fact, most of the Israelites that came out of Egypt didn't make it in to Canaan. But Moses dies. And God hands it over to Joshua. And what took Moses 40 years took Joshua three days to go into the land. So we will possess this land. Now, Canaan. Canaan is a big land. And although Canaan belonged to God's people, it was controlled by someone else. It was controlled by enemies. The territory was not just uninhabited. The next point, your promised land probably has somebody else controlling it. See, sometimes we think that we're going to show up to our promised land. God has promised us this big thing. God has this vision for our lives. And we show up and somebody else is in it and then we back ourselves out of it. Oh, that my bad. Sorry. I thought this was Canaan. Must not be Canaan. Because you're here. Because the promised land I pictured was empty and it was just waiting for me to come and take it over. But see, the Israelites ran into that problem. They got to go and they got to spy this place out for 40 days. For 40 days, they spent time in the nation they were supposed to, in the territory they were supposed to take. And they found more reasons not to go in than to go in. They found more reasons that kept them out. Rather than more reasons to enter in. Now, Joshua and another guy named Caleb, they were a part of this group. There was 12 spies. They were two guys. And they were the only two guys in the entire group that said, no, it's ours. I mean, God spoke. The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. God spoke to our father, Abraham. And he had many sons. Right? Right? Oh, yeah, you got the song going in your head now. 
And he promised us that this was our land. So we can take this. But two out of 12 is, uh, you know, not a very good number. You're out of out of balance. There's, you know, there's a problem here. We got 10 guys that say there's no way. And it's amazing how, you know, the majority can speak so loud and move so many people. So the nation said, there's no way. And they got mad at Moses and said, why'd you bring us out here to die and blah, 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 the whole thing. So we're talking about a takeover. God has said. Now, as I was reading this, I realized that God is actually giving us a natural picture for what had already taken place spiritually. Because, see, man was given the earth. Was given dominion over the earth. Just like Abram was given Canaan. And then man lost dominion to the earth and became enslaved. Just like the Israelites were enslaved by the Egyptians. But then God is wanting to put man back in charge over the earth once again. Just like God tried to get his people back into Canaan. See, this story has actually already taken place. This, or it actually started in Genesis, but this has already taken place in Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3. This is actually a repeat story. And God is trying to get his people to take something back over once again. God is trying to move his people into a land that he's already promised them. The question is, will we take it over? Will we take over the territory? Look at this in verse 19. There was not a city that made peace with the children of Israel. Except the Hivites. Well, that's discouraging. (laughs) Okay, let's 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 look at it. God has sent his people into a nation. And says, it's yours. I've promised this. I, I, I have given you this land from the very beginning. Thousands of years ago. This land was yours. Regardless of who shows up, regardless of who's in it, regardless of how many nations and how big they are and and, and how strong they are and how mighty they look. This land is yours, which means it's your job to go in and take it. And not one city. See, sometimes we think God sends us on missions and as soon as we show up, they're going to be excited to see us. Sometimes God will send you into territories and we think, oh, man, I can't wait to get in there and preach. I can't wait to get in there and and do what God's calling. I can't wait to go into this job. I can't wait to to go in and take over this business. I can't wait to minister to these people. And you find out that there's actually more opposition, that they're actually not excited to see you. (laughs) In fact, they don't want you there. They don't want you because to them, it's their territory. To them, it belongs to them. And you are trying to take something away from them. See, this land, this earth belongs to God. And you and I are kingdom citizens. You and I are citizens, not of the United States of America only, 
we have what's called dual citizenship. Because you are actually the citizen of the kingdom of heaven. This earth does not belong to the one who is in charge of it today. He is here illegally. He is here. He has taken over territory that does not belong to him. And we have let him have it. The church. We have said, fine, you keep it. I'm going to heaven anyways. And that's not why we're here. We're here to take the earth back. We're here to take territory back. But isn't it funny that the second we realize that, people don't want to give it up. The world doesn't want to give up their finances to the church. The world doesn't want to give up their schools. The world doesn't want to give up their governments. But yet we're called to go in and take over territory everywhere we go. But we get in a place like this. There was not a city that made peace with the children of Israel except the Hivites, the inhabitants of Gibeon. All the others they took in battle. I'm telling you right now, the Christian life and the life that the Bible depicts of a believer is not for sissies and wimps. It is not for the weak. To be a believer, you have to be strong. You have to be strong minded. You have to be strong spiritually. And you have to be willing to go in and not let go of something until you have it. It's not for the weak. It's not for the shy. It's not for people that don't want conflict and don't want opposition. That's not a life of the kingdom. We have to get rid of that. We, gotta, we have to lose that mentality. And Jesus pictured that to us. You know, we think of Jesus as a gentle guy, you know, was always helping people. But there were times where he had to get rough and tough. There were times that when he realized, if you're not going to let go of that, then I'll just have to take it from you. Because it belongs to me. It belongs to my father and I'm here to get it back. And he didn't back down. See, there's things in life that we've been backing down from. There's things in life that God has told you to go after. And the, the, the second opposition showed up. We maybe stood for a little while, but, but the second opposition stole up, showed up. We started to shy away a little bit. Because we didn't want the conflict. We didn't want the opposition. No, they had to go take it in battle. There's no victory without battle. There's no, there's no winning without a fight. And there's a fight on our hands. This is a takeover. Let's keep going. Verse 20. For it was of the Lord to harden their hearts that they should come against Israel in battle, that he might utterly destroy them, and that they might receive no mercy. No mercy but that he might destroy them as the Lord had commanded Moses. See, Canaan was not just one territory. 
Canaan was not just one city. It was a nation that had multiple cities and they had to go. The Israelites had to go in one by one and take city after city, take nation after nation. Five to seven years it took Joshua to go through here. And all Joshua did was fight. That's all he did. As soon as, he, as soon as he defeated one city, it was on to the next one. As soon as he got one victory, it was on to the next victory. You remember Jericho? Walls come tumbling down. Right on to the next one. Let's go to Ai. Let's, just, let's get this little town. I mean, every single one of them. What? Defeating them and taking the territory back for the kingdom of God. And I'm telling you today that God is still doing the same thing with his people. We are still to go in and take territories. He's still asking us to go in and take territories for the kingdom of God. Look at Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. Matthew chapter 11. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. I don't know how many of you follow me on Facebook or Twitter. If you do, great. If you don't, you should. I might not always tell you, you know, when I'm going to the bathroom or what restaurant I'm eating at, but there's some pretty good stuff out there. So uh, you should follow me. But today I put out a post or tweet or whatever you call it in line with this that said the kingdom does not get invited. The kingdom is imposed. The kingdom doesn't get invited. I'm not here because the mayor asked me to come here. I'm not going to teach at uh, FCA tomorrow morning at Lowndes High School because the principal came and said, man, we really, we really need you. We really need you there. We really want to hear what you got to say. Now, thank God I know the principal and I know he's a godly man. But I don't really care if he was or not, because I'm going. I don't need an invitation. And the kingdom doesn't get invited. We we only want to go places where we're comfortable advancing the kingdom. We only want to go places where they are excited to hear us. But if you look throughout the Bible, when the kingdom was being advanced and territory was being taken for the kingdom of God, most times than not, there was conflict and opposition. This verse tells us right here that the kingdom of God suffers violence. There's two sides of this thing. Number one, when the kingdom of God shows up, there are people that are wanting to get rid of us just as much as we're wanting to get in. The second we enter in, there's something that's trying to push us out. There's something that's trying to get rid of our influence. There's something that doesn't want us there. 
Why do you think Tim Tebow takes so much smack the way he did when he got into the NFL? Because when he went in, they were doing such a hard job to get him out. Why? Because there's kingdom influence attached to him. Not just because he bows and prays and talks about God all the time, but because there's an influence attached to that, that he can start influencing some teenagers rather than football players influencing teenagers to shoot them, uh, shoot each other and do all the stupid stuff they do. There was a man that I finally got into the NFL that said, this is how you ought to live. This is the character you ought to have. This is a life of integrity and dignity. And this is the kingdom life. And they do everything to bring the guy down. That's the way the world works. They'll build you up just so they can tear you down. There's a spiritual position there. See, they say that there's... Seven sectors of society. All of society can be separated into seven different sectors. There's entertainment and arts. There's religion. There's government. In each one of these sectors, the church ought to be involved in. But you know what we've done? We've pulled ourselves out and say, we'll just hang out here. Well, we should have influence in entertainment. We should have influence in government. We should have influence in sports. We should have an influence in every single. We should have in, uh, 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 influence in our school systems. We're supposed to be taking territory. We're not supposed to be sitting around here just waiting to get to another place. We're supposed to be taking control. Jesus said, occupy till I come. Occupy till I come. Occupy till I come. What are we occupying? What are we taking over? And again, there's a promised land that God has placed before you. There is something that God has shown you. I want you to go in and take it over. But don't be surprised when conflict and opposition shows up. Because the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. It doesn't say the kingdom of God suffers violence until they finally get tired of you and just say, okay, you can have it. No, you have to go in and take it. Imagine if Moses would have just turned around and walked out the first time Pharaoh said, no, I won't let the people go. Imagine if they had just ended with, oh, there's giants in the land. I mean, it looks great. It definitely looks like an awesome place to live, but there's giants there. I mean, there's already people in it. God must have meant a different. We must have taken a wrong turn somewhere. This must not be the promised land God was talking about. There's no way we could do this. Sure, it stopped a lot of people. But God raised up a man named Joshua that led them in to the promised land. Look at what Paul said in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If in the manner of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus... Uh, You know, when you look at Paul's life, yes, he did a lot of great things, but there was a ton of opposition, probably more than anybody had ever faced. I mean, the man could not get a break. He was getting attacked from the outside. He was getting attacked from the inside. I mean, even guys that he would travel with and minister with, they would end up falling away from the faith and start attacking him. I mean, there was just constant conflict and opposition. There was one time that he was ministering. He healed a guy. 
healed a man. And they didn't like that, so they drug him out and they stoned him and left him for dead. For what? Did he call them bad names? No, he healed a guy. He demonstrated the kingdom of God. But the kingdom of God comes with conflict and opposition. And we cannot continue to be a church that bows down and falls away and backs away from conflict and opposition. The kingdom of God is to be advanced. There is a takeover that needs to take place. No, it doesn't want you there. No, they don't want us in the schools. No, they don't want us in government. No, they don't want us in this and they don't want us in that. But we're going to continue to fight. We're going to continue to pursue and we are going to take over. Because that's what the kingdom does. The kingdom of God suffers violence. But the violent take it by force. The question is, is are we fighting back as, as hard as they're fighting us? Are we fighting against the opposition as hard? Because look, whether you realize it or not, the enemy is fighting day and night, tooth and nail, to keep you out of your stuff. Belongs to you. Those finances belong to you. That healing belongs to you. That job belongs to you. That marriage belongs to you. And he's fighting to push you out. And we are backing away. Why do you think, why do you think in Joshua chapter 1, verse 6, verse 7, verse 8, God kept telling Joshua, be strong and of good courage. 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 Why? Because there was something that Joshua was about to take on that was going to push him out. And if he was weak, he wouldn't finish and accomplish what God had sent him to do. Second Corinthians chapter one. Verse eight, Paul says this, for we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure above strength so that we despaired even. Of life. See, Paul took on conflict that you and I don't. Really, you know, they might talk about us. They might, you know, make fun of you for being that church person that always is talking about God and, and doing all that. But he actually had to endure physical torment. Physical conflict, physical operation. He actually uh, had to watch out and be careful for his life. Because of the gospel of the kingdom. The pressures that he had to deal with, we were burdened beyond measure. I can't even explain to you. But that's why over in Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 13. He makes this statement. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all. Stand. 
stand. What does stand mean? Stand means to outlast. Stand means to outlast. See, the enemy, he, he, he's actually already been defeated. He's, we are actually already victorious, but we aren't fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. There's still a fight on our hands because there's someone that has taken over the planet illegally. And you and I have been sent here to take it back over for the kingdom of God. You and I are called here to restore the kingdom of God. How do you do that? How do you restore a kingdom? Because in opportunities where you could walk in hate, you walk in love. In opportunities where you could walk in fear, you walk in peace. In, in opportunities where you could be anxious and worried, you walk in the, the peace of God in your life. There are opportunities where you can operate in the kingdom of God or the kingdom of darkness. And you plant the kingdom of God everywhere you go by applying the principles of his word. This is a kingdom. This isn't about religion. Jesus didn't come here to restore Christianity. He came here to restore a kingdom. Jesus never said anything about Christianity. Jesus never said anything about religion and belief. It's just what I believe. No, it's what I do. What I believe causes me to do something and I'm taking over the planet. I'm taking over this. I'm taking over that. It's a takeover. And the conflict and the opposition shows up. But that does not mean it doesn't belong to you. It's yours. You have to take on a grip. You have to take hold and say, this belongs to me and I'm not letting it go. I'm not letting it go. I'm going to stand. I'm going to outlast. See, the devil's not trying to defeat you. He's just trying to outlast you. The devil's not trying to beat you because, honestly, he already knows he's defeated. He's just trying to trick you into thinking that he's not. Because he's a liar. He's a deceiver. He's deceptive. He knows he's beaten. But if you act lost, he wins. If you give it up, he wins. No, my God has called me here to take over. My God has called me to once again restore the kingdom. Everywhere we go, we should be restoring the kingdom of God. Every conversation, every interaction that you have. Look, I'm just bringing it in perspective tonight. We are on a mission to take over. And I'm not going to stop because of who the president is. I'm not going to stop because who's in charge. I'm not going to stop because they said no or they did this. I'm going to keep pushing. I'm going to keep advancing because I'm taking over. And the opposition just means I'm getting that much closer. If there's no opposition, then you're probably not fighting. If there's no conflict, then that means you're not actually doing anything. The conflict and the opposition is a, is a sign to me. It reveals to me, you don't want me here, but I'm going to keep pushing. We're going to take this thing over. The kingdom of God suffers violence. And the violent take it by force. Those people that don't want to hear you talk about God at work, 
You just keep taking over, man. You take over. We don't bow to their standards. We don't bow to what they say. We don't bow to what they believe the norm is. We don't bow to that. No, we uphold the standard of the kingdom of God because that's how we advance the kingdom of God. What are we fighting for? What are we fighting for? We've got, there's a fight involved. How many times? I mean, when you think of the words that, that Paul used to relate the, the Christian life to, a, a, a race, a marathon, a fight, a struggle. You know, those aren't usually the words that we want to hear. We get excited about the kingdom life and we get excited about coming in to the kingdom and accepting Jesus as our savior because we think it's our ticket out. No, it's really just your ticket in. Here's your ticket. Now go fight. <laughs> put on the helmet. Put, take up the sword. Put on the shield. Take on the full armor of God. Why? So you'll be able to withstand in the evil day. And when you've done all, stand. All right, we've got to get a clear picture. We've got to get a clear picture that things are evil because someone else is ruling over something that belongs to us. And it's waiting for our influence. It's waiting for us to take over. It's waiting for us to manifest the kingdom of God. Look at Jesus' life. He was just in the business of restoring the kingdom. Oh, you're sick? Now you're healed. Oh, you're condemned? Now you're free of guilt. Oh, you don't have life? Here's life and life more abundantly. He was in the business of restoring the kingdom of God in the earth. He was in the business of bringing the kingdom of God back to the earth. And he didn't let conflict and opposition stop him. He didn't let anything come against him and say, you can't be here. It just caused him to rise up even more and say, I'm taking this thing. And I'm going to go and I'm going to save every man on this planet. I'm going to die for every single one of them so that they can continue to carry the mission and the veil that I was sent to do. The, the, uh, uh, Father, what you sent me to do, I send them to do. As you sent me in the world, I send them. They are not of this world just as uh, uh, they are not of the world as I'm not of the world. But I don't pray that you take them out of the world. I pray that you keep them from the evil one. We've been sent with the mission. We've been sent with the plan. We've been sent by God himself to restore the kingdom in the earth. Whatever your promised land is, whatever that he has laid on your heart, whatever area it is that he has told you to conquer and take over. Don't allow conflict and opposition to slow you down. You continue to stand on the word. You continue to be bold faced. You continue to look that thing in the eye. You continue to say, I don't care how bad you don't want me here. I'm not going anywhere. No, we stand in the purpose. We stand with everything that God has called us to do. That's the kingdom life. That's the kingdom life. That's the mandate that God has placed on us. That is what the church is all about. I'm convinced nothing should happen in this planet without the church's permission. 
I'm telling you right now, this message becomes more and more relevant every single day. I mean, if you haven't noticed, there are things happening in our nation that us as children would have never thought would have been possible. But rather than looking for a ticket out, we need to start standing on the word that he's given us. And we need to continue to raise the standard. And it starts with us. That is who we are as the church. This is a rally cry tonight. This is something for us to rally around and say, yes, we will raise the standard. No, we will not bow down. No, we won't just turn and look the other way and say, well, at least I'm saved. No, we will continue to press and raise the standard and show people what the kingdom life is all about. I don't care how much you hate me. I don't care how much you fight me. I don't care how bad you talk about me. I don't care how you keep pushing me down. I'm going to keep getting back up. That's the kingdom of God. It doesn't get invited. The kingdom of God doesn't just go where it's welcomed. It's easy to preach when everyone's amening you and hollering and saying, yeah, go ahead. But what about when they're not? What about when they're ready to drag you out like they did with Jesus and throw you off a cliff? What about when they're ready to beat you and throw rocks at you if you say another word like Stephen and Paul? What do you do then? You take over. You know, the exciting thing about it is they could never touch them until their time had come. touch you. Jesus said, it's not my time. Word says he walked right through the midst of them because his time had not come. Sure, there'll be a time when your time fully comes and that's when you can be excited. But until your time comes, we've got work to do. Until our time comes, we've got a mission. Until that time comes, we've got a mandate on our lives to continue to influence for the kingdom of God. We miss so many opportunities. We miss so many opportunities to advance the kingdom of God. But they're going to become more and more clear in the last days. We're in the last of the last days. I believe that. You know, they've been saying that since I was a kid. They've been saying that since some of y'all were a kid. They've been saying that since Paul, really. He's coming soon. But I know this, we're closer than anybody ever has. <laughs> I mean, I'll be closer tomorrow to the end than we are today. And the signs that we're seeing in the world, it's, we got to raise up a church that's going to stand against it. Not a church that's just going to fall back and say, well, God, I'm thanking you that you're taking me to heaven. I'm thankful I'm going to heaven, but I'm thankful that I've got a purpose and a plan for my life that he's laid on me. And while I'm in this earth, I'm not going to let conflict. I'm not going to let opposition. I don't care if the city makes peace with me. We're going and we're going to keep preaching the kingdom of God. I don't care what they tell me to say and what I'm not, what I'm not allowed to say. We're going to keep preaching the kingdom of God. I don't care what they threaten. I don't care what they say they're going to do. We're going to keep preaching the kingdom of God. you just got to be that bold about it. you just got to be that, have that stick to itness about it. I'm just going. We're standing. This is a test 
of who is going to blink first and I'm not blinking. Who's going to fall? Who's going to wane back? Who's going to back up? But I'm not going to do that. And I hope that we're raising up a church right here in Valdosta that is going to continue to stand for the principles of the word of God. Thank God that we have had the blessings that we've had, that we've had people in leadership. The mayor asks us to come pray. Thank God for the invitation. But what if he did it? I'd still be asking anyways. Thank God that we've got principals of schools that still allow prayers before football games in the name of Jesus. Not just in anybody's name. Because there's only one prayer that works. And in our, our sphere, thank God we still have people that hold to biblical values. But across this nation, it's being swept all across this nation that they don't care about your God. They don't care who you serve. They don't care about your standards. They don't care what a biblical marriage looks like. They'll cheat and they'll scrape and they'll do everything they can to get to the top. They'll redefine everything if they can. If you let them redefine what a marriage looks like, they'll redefine it. If you let them, if, 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 if they want to redefine what holiness looks like, they'll redefine it. The bottom line is this book, this book right here defines it all for me. And these are the only definitions that matter. This is all that matters. Two plus two is always four. I don't care how much you try to tell me it's five. It's four. And I'm sticking with it. We've got to have a kingdom of advancing, not declining. We've got to have a kingdom that's progressing, not digressing. It starts with the church. It starts with the body of Christ. That's what you and I are doing every day. This has got to be our cry. This is our call. This is our mandate. Father, we thank you tonight that you have called us for such a time as this. We were born at this time. We were put here at this time for such a time as this. And you have called us to advance the kingdom of God. Father, we thank you that we are in the kingdom. We thank you that we are your citizens. We thank you that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But Father, we allow the standard in our lives to raise the standard around us. To flow out from us. That it won't just be something that we keep on the inside, but we'll allow it to make influence and impact people's lives around us. We don't shy away. If they're going to be bold to talk about what they talk about at work, we're going to be bold to talk about what we talk about at work. If they can be bold to talk about what they did on Saturday night, we can be bold to talk about what we did Sunday morning. Father, you have called us to be the factors of change. We bring change to our society. We bring change to our world. And we do not bow and we do not conform, but we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. Father, give us boldness. Give us boldness. Give us a confidence. Give us an assurance to continue to stand 
for kingdom principles. In the last days, give us the boldness to continue to take over territory for the kingdom of God. We thank you for this tonight. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen.